The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stock futures fall ahead of the key Fed symposium in Jackson Hole. Ten-year Treasury yields approach 3% as traders bet Jay Powell and the Fed will continue their hawkish stance. And President Biden speaks with European leaders about reviving a nuclear deal with Iran. New York City confirms a case of monkeypox and someone under the age of 18, plus a car bomb has killed the daughter of a prominent ally. Of Vladimir Putin. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower and Sports. An amazing win for the Mets, a much needed one for the Yankees. The Subway Series begins tonight. The Giants won their preseason game. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 48 points. Dow futures down 300, and NASDAQ futures down 202. The DAX in Germany is down about 1.8%. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 2.97%, and a yield on the two-year, 3.28%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.7%. Nathan. Karen. It is all about the Fed this week. The annual Jackson Hole Symposium begins on Thursday. Fed Chair Jay Powell may use his speech on Friday to push back on speculation that interest rates will fall in 2023. Benchmark 10-year Treasury yields came within a whisker of 3%, with traders betting policymakers will double down on their hawkish stance. Sylvia Jablonski is co-founder of Defiance ETFs. You know, what I would expect is that, you know, he'll kind of follow suit to what he's sort of been doing before. And, you know, we'll probably hang on every word and try to determine whether or not we thought he was he was dovish or whether he was he was hawkish. But, you know, the message we've been getting is very much it depends on the data. Defiance ETF Sylvia Jablonski does not think the market will get a clear cut message from the Fed. We, of course, will have complete coverage of the Jackson Hole Symposium. Bloomberg Surveillance will be there live beginning on Thursday with Tom Keene, Lisa Abramowitz and Jonathan Farrell. 
Well, Nathan, the Fed is still on a collision course with financial markets. According to the latest MLIV Pulse survey, stocks and bonds are set to tumble once more, even though inflation has likely peaked. Eighty-four percent of respondents in the survey say it may take two years or longer for the Fed to bring inflation down to its official long-term target of two percent. Well, Wall Street's focus will be on the Fed this week, Karen. We'll still get a number of earnings reports from tech companies, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Those tech names this week will include Autodesk, Dell, Intuit, Salesforce, Snowflake, and VMware. Questions abound about the outlook for corporate earnings given Federal Reserve efforts to quell inflation with higher interest rates. Alan Zafrin is co-CEO at IEQ Capital. Earnings aren't as bad as people fear. Inflation is starting to come down. You had a remarkably oversold short-term technical condition And if you do read the chartists and technical analysts that are out there, they'll tell you that the setup right now is for a continuation of this rally. Also reporting this week, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, and Zoom video communications. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. In Asia, Chinese banks have cut their loan prime rates. And Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The one-year rate was lowered just five basis points to 3.65%. The five-year rate, a reference for mortgages, was cut 15 basis points to 4.3%. The rate cuts follow news on Friday of additional financing to prop up the real estate sector. Chinese developer stocks jumped in Hong Kong. It comes as the economy faces pressure on a number of fronts. In the meantime, authorities have extended power cuts in Sichuan province. They've activated the highest emergency response. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Brian, thank you. Oil is falling this morning. West Texas Intermediate's down 1.7% to $89.21 a barrel. The move comes as negotiations move forward to revive a nuclear deal with Iran. Details from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. President Biden spoke with leaders from Germany, France, and the U.K., four of the original signatories of the Iran nuclear deal, which also include Russia and China. The four discussed ongoing negotiations. Iran has released its response to the latest framework earlier this month, and the U.S. has stayed tight-lipped on its position. The EU took it as constructive. One advisor to Iran's nuclear negotiating team says Tehran wants the U.S. penalized if it backs out again. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Back in East Asia, the U.S. and South Korea are planning their biggest drill since North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's summit with then-President Donald Trump. And Bloomberg said Baxter has that story. The biggest in about five years because the Trump-Kim summit apparently did not work in enticing Kim Jong-un to cut back on his nuclear programs. The drills are called Ulchi Freedom Shield and are expected to involve thousands of military personnel. The U.S. and South Korea say they're defensive in nature and will coordinate forces to respond to the possible invasion by North Korea. An angry response from the Kim regime is expected. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. In corporate news, the takeover battle for Signify Health is heating up. Let's get the latest on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Sources say Amazon.com, United Health, CVS Health, and Optioned Care Health are all vying to acquire Signify Health. Now, United Health submitted the highest bid at more than $30 a share, while Amazon's offer is is close behind. Signify closed above $21 on Friday, which values the company at nearly $5 billion. None of the plans are finalized yet, and the bidder's plans could still change. Also, Signify could always opt to
to remain independent. Sources tell Bloomberg that Signify is holding a board meeting today to discuss the bids. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Renita. Thank you. We'll get ready to pay more for Tesla's self-driving system. CEO Elon Musk tweeted the price will rise $3,000 to $15,000 in North America. The increase will take effect on September 5th. It's the second price hike for Tesla's self-driving this year. And finally, Karen, it was tough for some Game of Thrones fans to enter the House of the Dragon through HBO Max. The fantasy prequel's debut episode overwhelmed the streaming service last night. More than 3,000 outages were reported as of 9 p.m. Eastern. HBO's parent company says some viewers had trouble connecting through Amazon Fire TV devices. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. It's now 507 on Wall Street. We're at 73 degrees in Central Park. Got an accident southbound West Side Highway by 158th. Tell you more about that in traffic shortly. First, Michael Bars here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York has its first confirmed case of monkeypox in someone under the age of 18. Officials from the New York Department of Health say the virus was detected in a child or teenager living outside of New York City. The virus is primarily spread through through skin-to-skin contact, and the majority of the cases have affected gay men. But it also has been detected in two women outside of New York City and 16 women living in the city. With the school year about to begin, New York City schools say they have not yet received any official guidance about monkeypox. Meanwhile, starting today, an additional 360,000 vials of monkeypox vaccine will be available nationwide. That's potentially enough vaccine for 1.8 million shots in arms using the Biden administration's new approach to stretch limited supplies. In Kansas City, Missouri, health official Scott Clarity is addressing privacy concerns. The city now has an online survey to help identify people who may qualify for the vaccine. If you're concerned that you may have been exposed to to, to monkeypox, get online, fill out that form. Health official Scott Clarity says, according to data, there are more than 14,000 monkeypox cases nationwide. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney says that her focus now is keeping former President Trump out of the White House. Following her election loss, Cheney said that President Joe Biden phoned her and they had a very good talk. Cheney spoke to ABC just days after her primary loss in Wyoming. No regrets. Um, you know, I, I feel I feel sad about where my party is. I feel sad about the way that um, too many of my colleagues have responded to what I think is a great moral test and challenge of our time. Liz Cheney spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Ukrainian officials are denying the country's Russian allegations that they were behind a car bomb attack that killed the daughter of a prominent Vladimir Putin ally. In Russia, Daria Dugina, the daughter of a staunch supporter of the war, killed by a car bomb near Moscow. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thank you. Almost 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Right, good morning, Nathan. Subway Series tonight. The Mets won both games last month at City Field. Now they play two in the Bronx, and no question who the hotter team is coming in. The Yankees. 
did win yesterday, but it was just their fifth win in the month of August. While the Mets, who did lose three of four in Atlanta, won three of four in Philadelphia, and yesterday's win was amazing. They had to start a rookie, Jose Budo. He served up two three-run homers with the Phillies' Alec Bone, and the Mets trailed 4 nothing and later 7-4. to Mark Canna to the rescue. Game-tying three-run homer, seventh inning, and then Canna came up in the ninth with the Mets trailing by a run. Robertson delivers. Swing and a drive. Well hit to left. Back goes Mayton. She is gone. Do you believe this? The Mets have done it again. They take the lead. Mark Hanna with his arms raised over his head between first and second as he rounds the bases. CBS to call. The Mets won 10 to 9. Yankees, meanwhile, finally beat Toronto at the stadium 4 to 2 to avoid a Blue Jays four-game sweep. Finally, a clutch hit. It came from Andrew Benintendi, who's been quiet since his arrival from Kansas City, his first Yankee home run. Game-winning two-run shot, seventh inning. The win to Lou Trevino, another recent pickup. He got the last seven out. Subway Series pitching matchups favor the Mets. Max Scherzer goes tonight. Max Jacob DeGrom tomorrow. At MetLife, the Giants' third-string quarterback, Davis Webb, rallied Big Blue a 25-22 preseason win over Cincinnati. Webb threw two fourth-quarter touchdown passes. And another game at MetLife tonight. It's the Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Okay, John, thanks. Futures moving lower to start the week. S&P futures down 48 points. Dow futures down 296. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning down 200 points. That is a drop of 1.5%. We check in live next with Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, lots of clouds, scattered showers and storms today with a high near 75 degrees. We'll have a few more scattered showers and storms tomorrow with a high near 85, sunny near 90 for Wednesday. Right now, 73 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are treating along with U.S. stock index futures as the Federal Reserve's commitment to tighter monetary settings and worries about the effect on economic growth weigh on investor sentiment. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 48 points. Dow futures down 294. NASDAQ futures down 196. And the DAX in Germany is down 1.8%. The 10-year Treasury that'll change yield 2.97%. Yield on the two-year, 3.28%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.7% on $1.56 at $89.21 a barrel. COMEX gold down 9 tenths percent or $16.50 at $17.46.50 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0010 against the dollar. The yen, 136.82. And Bitcoin is up a tenth of a per... It's, well, actually, it's down, down 1.5% at $21,160. GameStop and Red Bath & Beyond are leading declines in meme stocks as the latest frenzy in the shares loses steam. Bed Bath & Beyond is down 9% this morning. GameStop is down 5.5%. And AMC Entertainment is falling down 35%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The White House saying during a joint phone call, the leaders of the U.S., U.K., France, and Germany discussed how to revive the Iran nuclear deal. Previously, Tehran had curbed its nuclear program in exchange for relief from economic sanctions. Ukrainian officials are denying Russian allegations that they were behind the car bomb attack that killed the daughter of a prominent Vladimir Putin ally. 
In baseball, the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 4-2. The Mets beat the Phillies 10-9. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 5-3. The Nationals lost. The A's beat the Mariners 5-3. The Giants won. NFL preseason yesterday, the Giants and Ravens won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It is coming up to 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we get a new trading week started with a focus on the Fed. We are joined this morning by Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, great to speak with you. As always, we are seeing a pretty strong dip in futures contracts. Is this a case of a market no longer fighting the Fed as we get ready for Jackson Hole? Well, thanks for having me, as always. It's always great to be here. Look, as I was talking to investors last week, um, I was hearing less about the Fed, frankly, and I was hearing more about simply the state of valuations with investors telling me they simply thought if, you, if, if markets look cheap back in June 16th, that they were no longer looking cheap today and really questioning whether or not sort of the uh, challenging economic backdrop was still baked into share prices at current levels. So I think the Fed is always a source of volatility for markets, but I think valuation is really what was concerning investors as last week came to an end. Well, where do you see valuations at this point? Looking at uh, the S&P right now, it's uh, pretty close to your target, around 4,200. Right. We've gone a little bit above our target recently. And, you know, our view is, and remember, we are trying to guess where the market is going to be on December 31st. We're not, you know, sort of marking the entry year, you know, sort of ups and downs with that number. Um, But what we found is that if you look at valuations, there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty around the earnings outlook. So that makes it tricky to peg valuations. Um, But we do think things are getting close to around 20 times, around 19.8, 19 19.9, depending on whether or not you're looking at our 2022 or 2023 EPS forecast. And while that is rich and that is above uh, average and definitely a big, you know, sort of move off the recent lows, importantly, it's not back to the peaks that we've seen over the last four or five years. So I think if you're trying to use valuation as a reason to say this rally has to end now, I really don't think that's sufficient evidence. A concerning data point, yes, um, sort of a silver bullet for, for turning more bearish in the short term now. Oh, we're getting close to the end of earnings season here. Where do you see earnings going at this point? Are revisions going to need to keep being lowered? It's a great question. It was something that was definitely coming up a lot in our meetings last week. And we did actually, over the weekend, just go back and do an analysis and look at where major bottoms have happened in big crises, like the tech bubble, the 2018 sell-off, the pandemic, 2015-2016 industrial recession. And we actually found that markets tend to bottom uh, well before earnings estimates start turning back up again. Um, usually there's the lead time varies, but usually by a number of months. So, you know, we are concerned that earnings expectations still need to come down. We are concerned it could be a source of volatility for stocks in the, in the months ahead. But we don't think it necessarily precludes the idea that we saw the lows back in June. Does that have you looking at different styles, uh, looking closer to small cap versus large cap? You know, that actually, earnings stock drop is one of the reasons why we like small over large. We do think small caps have really baked in a short, shallow, mild recession and perhaps something even more extreme than that. Um, But we've also found that if you look at earnings sentiment recently, we're not getting as big of downgrades in the small cap space as we are the large cap space. Um, I think that's really because small caps didn't enjoy the same kind of melt-up in expectations that large caps did at the end of last year, early this year. Um, But certainly in an indirect way, it is a tailwind for small caps at the moment. 
Is that because you're thinking that the, uh, the there's a prospect of an economic slowdown providing more of a lift for small caps? What's the impact potentially of a slowdown in the economy on stocks more generally? Well, I think that a lot of it is baked in at this point in time. I mean, again, assuming that it's something that plays out largely this year and is of a short, shallow-type variety, we've actually compared S&P 500 pricing and Russell 2000 pricing against moves and jobless claims, and they're already baking – they actually tend to trend together pretty closely on a year-over-year basis, and they're already baking in a rather significant spike in jobless claims on a go-forward basis beyond what we've already seen. Um, so what I've been telling investors is, is if you think this recession is going to happen largely next year, the middle or end of next year, that's probably not in the market right now. But if we really expect this downturn to play out in coming months and quarters, uh, we probably did pay for the, the price for that back in June. Just 30 seconds left here, Laurie. What kind of clarity or are you expecting clarity from uh, Chairman Powell when it comes to rates or the path of the economy uh, when he speaks on Friday? Probably not the kind of clarity that would allow me to just sort of take next week off and really enjoy the end of the summer. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's always the, the the potential for the Fed to add to volatility in stocks. I think markets have been trading up on the idea that we've seen the peak in inflation and the Fed can start to, to ease up or move to the pause uh, you know, sometime in the foreseeable future. And when that's a consensus argument, that's always, you know, sort of room for markets to, to dis, you know, kind of move away from that view and add to some volatility. But we'll see what he has to say. Indeed. On Friday, coming up here, Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity, RBC Capital Markets. Always great to get your thoughts. S&P futures right now down 48 points. Dow futures down 301. NASDAQ futures lower by 199 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Lots of clouds today. Scattered showers and storms with a high near 75. We'll get up to the mid-80s tomorrow with a few scattered showers and storms possible. By Wednesday, sunshine and a high near 90. Right now, 73 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. It's all about the Fed this week. The annual Jackson Hole Symposium begins Thursday. And we'll hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell in a speech there on Friday. Bloomberg's Vinnie Dal Judice has a preview. The Fed chair is battling inflation after the central bank fumbled at the onset of the worst price surge in decades. Bloomberg Economics says Powell attempt to steady the message on interest rates in his talk at Jackson Hall and dissuade Wall Street that the Fed has made a dovish pivot by signaling the central bank is far from done in this year's tightening campaign. So far, the Fed has lifted its benchmark rate from near zero to 2.5%. Vinny Dale, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. And we'll have complete coverage of the Jackson Hole Symposium. Bloomberg Surveillance will be there live. Well, with Wall Street focused on the Fed this week, Karen, we're also getting more earnings reports. Dell, Salesforce, and Zoom are among notable tech names reporting. We also hear from Peloton later this week. 
Well, overseas, Nathan, Chinese banks have cut their loan prime rates as Beijing pledges to offer developers more financing. Hai Chen is head of investment strategy at Haitong International. I think we already reached a point that the central government really need to step in. And the announcement over the weekend on the policy bank, this is actually a good start. I think they really need to provide a backstop. And Hai Chen with Haitong International says markets want to see how the Chinese government will prop up its struggling property space. A geopolitical note in Asia as well this morning, Karen. The U.S. and South Korea are planning military drills, their biggest since North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's summit with then-President Donald Trump. Well, in corporate news now, Nathan, the takeover battle for Signify Health is heating up, and we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Sources say Amazon.com, United Health, CVS Health, and Option Care Health are all vying to acquire Signify Health. United submitted the highest bid at more than $30 a share, while Amazon's offer is close behind. Signify closed above $21 on Friday, valuing the company at nearly $5 billion. Now, no plans are finalized yet, and the bidder's plans could still change. And Signify could always opt to remain independent. Sources tell Bloomberg that Signify is holding a board meeting today to discuss the bids. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Oil's falling this morning down nine-tenths percent at 89.96 a barrel as negotiations move forward to revive a nuclear deal with Iran. And again, futures are lower. S&P futures down 52 points. Dow futures down 326. NASDAQ futures down 210. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines. And this is Bloomberg. Karen, thanks. 533 on Wall Street, 73 degrees in Central Park. Still got that accident southbound West Side Highway at 158th. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City schools say they have not yet received any official guidance about monkeypox. It comes as New York has its first confirmed case of monkeypox in someone under the age of 18. The New York Department of Health says the virus was detected in a child or teenager living outside of New York City. The virus is primarily spread through skin-to-skin contact. Ukrainian officials are denying the Russian allegations that they were behind the car bomb attack that killed the daughter of prominent Vladimir Putin ally Alexander Dugin. Harriet Dugina's family said she borrowed her father's car, suggesting he was the target. House January 6th Committee Vice Chair Liz Cheney has said she thinks former Vice President Mike Pence should testify before the committee. Just days after her Republican primary loss in Wyoming, Cheney says that her focus now is keeping former President Trump out of the White House. Our party has uh, abandoned principle and abandoned value and abandoned fundamental fidelity to the Constitution in order to embrace a cult of personality. And I think that's really dangerous for a whole bunch of reasons. Liz Cheney spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Parental rights front and center in Florida as Republican Governor Ron DeSantis campaigned in Doral, supporting school board candidates who back his controversial educational agenda. We are not going to surrender to woke. We are going to prevail in Florida is the state where woke goes to die. Meanwhile, tomorrow is Florida's primary. Former GOP Governor Charlie Crist is now running as a Democrat for his old seat. My party left me. I didn't leave it. Started with the Tea Party, and it's only metastasized now. I'm very comfortable being a proud Florida Democrat. It's where I should have been a long time ago. I'm glad to be here now, and thank God for it all. 
Chris spoke to ABC. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. All right, Nathan. Much needed win for the Yankees and an amazing win for the Mets. And now the two teams meet tonight in the Bronx. Start of the two-game Subway Series. The Yankees came into Paul O'Neill. They had the stadium with the worst record in the month of August of any team in the majors. Four and 14. Assured of losing a sixth series in a row for the first time in 27 years. Just trying to avoid getting swept. Yanks and Blue Jays 2-2. Seventh inning and Andrew Benintendi at the plate. Here's the 0-1. Swing on. There it goes. Deep right. It is high. That is far. And it's gone. He hit his first home run. It couldn't have come at a better time. Benny. Oh, Mulca Benny. And the right field seats. WFAN. Yanks won 4-2. Mets, meanwhile, won in Philadelphia 10-9. They trailed 4-0. Later, 7-4. Mark Canna had a game-tying three-run homer in the seventh. Then of the ninth, Canna again. Two-run shot to put the Mets ahead. And now the Mets come at the Yankees with their 1-2 punch. Max Scherzer on the mound tonight. Jacob DeGrom tomorrow. For what it's worth, Giants are 2-0 in the preseason. They beat Cincinnati at MetLife 25-22. A game with three fourth-quarter lead changes. Davis Webb led the Giants to victory after Daniel Jones started and looked good, going 16-18. of 18. Rookie edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau left with a knee injury that did not appear to be serious. The Jets host the Falcons tonight. Patrick Cantley won the BMW Golf in Delaware. Tom Weisskopf has died at 79. He won 16 PGA events, including the British Open. He was the runner-up at the Masters four times. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Wendy Gillette. It's dog-eat-dog in the New York City apartment rental world these days. Brokers tell The Guardian they're working insane hours to keep up with the incredible demand. Many apartments rent sight unseen. The average price hit a record high last month, $5,000, up 29% over last year. The vacancy rate in Manhattan is just 1.9%, down a staggering 46% from 2021. Virtual public hearings start Thursday on the MTA's proposed congestion pricing program. Six hearings will be held through September 9th. The first meeting runs from 5 to 8 p.m. Inflation and gas prices are not keeping tourists away from the Jersey Shore this summer. Many towns and cities tell NJ Spotlight News this season is meeting or beating expectations. And in Atlantic City casinos, winds are up 16 percent this year and 8 percent last month, an indication gamblers are spending money. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Wendy Gillette. Thanks, Wendy. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potusk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about what could be a tough day for Bed Bath & Beyond shares as some suppliers halt shipments. I'm Joan Doniger telling KFAV listeners in Omaha, Warren Buffett probably won't bid for control of Occidental Petroleum. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm talking about United Health, which is said to have submitted the highest bid among companies vying to acquire Signify Health. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KYW in Philadelphia, 
Philadelphia. I'll be reporting on how much more you'll have to pay for Tesla's autopilot system. I'm Jeff Bellinger, and on WIOD in Miami, I'm reporting some Miami McDonald's will be serving the Chicken Big Mac starting later this month. I'm Wendy Gillette on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting on Ford's intention to appeal a billion-dollar civil verdict against the auto company. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Liz Truss, who looks likely to become the UK's new Prime Minister, has stirred controversy with recent statements on the Bank of England. To gather support in the Conservative Party's leadership contest, she's proposing a departure from business-as-usual economic strategy and wants to review the central bank's mandate. Nobody would claim all's well with Britain's monetary policy, but calling the bank's independence into question will only dig the economy into a deeper hole. Undermining its credibility is also likely to backfire politically. The Bank of England is not above criticism. It was too slow to raise interest rates and should learn from its mistakes. But it has also been faced with enormous economic shocks that have made its job exceptionally difficult. Trust should not make its job even harder by interfering with its independence. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Bloomberg 1130 weather, lots of clouds, scattered showers and storms, a high near 75 today, mid-80s tomorrow with a few scattered showers and uh, thunder showers. Sunshine near 90 by Wednesday, right now 73 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are retreating along with U.S. stock index futures as the Federal Reserve's commitment to tighter monetary settings and worries about the effect on economic growth weigh on investor sentiment. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 54 points. Dow futures down 339. And NASDAQ futures down 211. The DAX in Germany is down 1.9%. The 10-year Treasury up 330 seconds, yield 2.96%. Yield on a two-year, 3.27%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.1% on a dollar one at $89.76 a barrel. COMEX gold down nine tenths percent or $15.70 at $17.47.20 an ounce. The euro is at 1.007 against the dollar. British pound 1.1804, the yen 136.84. And Bitcoin is down 1.5% at $21,140. For watching meme stocks this morning, Bed Bath & Beyond is down about 10%. And AMC Entertainment falling down 33% ahead of the debut of its ape shares. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden spoke yesterday with fellow Western leaders looking to revive a nuclear deal with Iran. Biden spoke with his counterparts in Germany, France, and the U.K. Basketball Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman says he intends to visit Russia to try to help WNBA star Brittany Griner get back home. Reiner was sentenced to nine years following her conviction on drug charges earlier this month. 
In baseball, the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 4-2. The Mets beat the Phillies 10-9. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 5-3. The Nationals lost. The A's beat the Mariners 5-3. The Giants won. In NFL preseason yesterday, the Giants and Ravens won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're watching oil prices this morning moving lower, as uh, Karen mentioned, down 1.1% on the prospect of potentially more Iranian crude entering the market if that nuclear deal with the West comes back to life. Joining us now for more Bloomberg News oil strategist Julian Lee. Uh, Julian, as we heard, we did get that conversation over the weekend between President Biden and the leaders of Germany, France, and the U.K., but, I mean, the idea of a new nuclear agreement is still very much up in the air, isn't it? Uh, Yes, it is. I mean, there seems to have been some progress. There was uh, what the uh, European Union billed as a a final um, proposal that they put to uh, everybody involved. The Iranians have responded to that. Their response uh, has been constructive, uh, but we know very little more than that about it. Um, It's being looked at by the U.S. and other parties uh, to this, this deal, um, and we're waiting for their response. And it seems as though the waiting could continue. I mean, I saw a headline that uh, Iran is accusing the U.S. of uh, stalling on its response. So is this a matter of the market sort of getting ahead of where negotiations are right now, given that we are seeing this uh, somewhat significant drop in oil prices this morning? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much that is due uh, to uh, hopes or or fears, depending on which side of this you're on, uh, of of a a resumption of the deal, um, and how much it's due to other things that the market is looking at, particularly, I think, a piece of news out of uh, China that they have have gone back from uh, drawing oil stockpiles to rebuilding them. There are still very serious concerns about uh, demand in China going forwards, as there are uh, about demand in in Europe and some other parts of the world, and it may be that as much as um, any sort of perception of progress around the Iranian nuclear deal that's actually driving prices at the moment. All right, interesting uh, point there. But if we do see Iranian oil return to the market, as we say, it is a pretty big if. Is that going to be enough of a backstop for the European market, given all the Russian oil that's been taken out? I think it would certainly help. I mean, uh, I, I wrote a column about this that was published on Sunday, um, looking back at, at what Iran did uh, during that, that period when uh, this nuclear deal was in operation before President Trump uh, effectively tore it up. Uh, they were sending at that time somewhere in the region of 600,000 barrels a day of crude uh, to European markets, predominantly the Mediterranean. Uh, I think if if Iranian production comes back, uh, we can see or expect to see at least that amount uh, heading westwards to, to Europe. They are going to have to fight harder, uh, I think, to uh, secure markets in, in some of their more traditional um, Asian customers. I mean, they would be competing with subsidized Russian crude in India, um, and perhaps in China as well, that may well uh, end up seeing more Iranian oil going westwards if, 
uh, this deal is revived. Would it be able to get back on the market in time for the European winter? I mean, is, is that something that's even possible for, for that amount of Iranian crude to get back into the market? I, I think it's certainly possible. Um, much will depend on, on what kind of delays are built into any agreement. There's been some suggestion that there would be a sort of, um, a, a, a sort of proof of good intent period, if you like, where Iran is uh, required to do certain things around its its nuclear program before uh, the sanctions on, on oil exports are fully lifted. But the estimate is that they have somewhere in the region of 100 million barrels of oil uh, already pumped out of the ground and in storage, some of that in, in uh, tanks on land, a lot of it in, in tankers off the Iranian coast. That could move very, very quickly. Um, and if you look back at the last time uh, that, that Iran was sort of freed from the shackles of sanctions, their production came back much, much more quickly than people had anticipated. Mm. Um, they, they'd added close to a million barrels a day within 12 months um, and a, a good half of that within six. Thanks for this, Julian. Great having you on with us this morning. Bloomberg News oil strategist Julian Lee. Karen? Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Post class action filed in federal court in California accuses Twitter of inducing users to disclose personal information under the pretext of securing their accounts. The suit charges the information was sold to marketers. State Farm will pay $100 million to settle a suit that accused the company of improperly submitting claims for flood damage to FEMA following Hurricane Katrina. Federal court records in Louisiana show the Postal Service and a black letter carrier reached a settlement. The letter carrier accused her supervisors of racial harassment. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. The judge who approved the unprecedented search of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate has decided that he will release portions of the sealed FBI affidavit used to secure the search warrant. He's given the Justice Department until noon on Thursday to propose what information in the affidavit should be kept secret. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers of Columbia Law School. The Justice Department argued that releasing this information could jeopardize not only the investigation, but FBI agents and witnesses. So what do you think the redactions will look like? And that's why it's so critical what the judge does with the request for redaction, because, you know, there's really no point in releasing a document if virtually everything in it is redacted and you can't learn anything. I mean, that doesn't assist the public in this matter of great importance, as the judge has determined. On the other hand, I think the judge should take seriously the Justice Department's concerns about its investigation and the integrity of the investigation, and of course, the safety of most primarily witnesses, not just their safety, but that they should not be tampered with, of course. So, you know, weighing all of that, the question is how extensive will the redactions be? You know, there's some information in the public already about these negotiations between Trump's team and the National Archives and then eventually the FBI. 
some of that seems like it could come out and not be redacted, that would be safe. You know, the things I expect to be redacted are whatever source information they receive that these documents are still at Mar-a-Lago and exactly where they are. That's the sort of information you would think would be redacted. And then, of course, anything else sensitive that they think would jeopardize the ongoing nature of the investigation will likely be redacted, too. But I expect they can release some of this, particularly about the back and forth with Team Trump and his lawyers and the National Archives and FBI. I think we'll see some of that. Now, he said he'd allow the government time to appeal his ruling. Is that something you think the Justice Department might actually do, appeal? I think they might appeal if in the end they feel that the judge's ruling releases too much information. So we'll we'll have to, to wait and see what the outcome of that is. But yes, certainly. If they think that their investigation uh, is jeopardized or certainly any classified material is jeopardized by what the judge wants to be released, I think they will appeal. And as former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers speaking with Bloomberg student Grasso, catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BlawGo. And futures this morning are on the decline, moving lower. Ten-year Treasury is up 330 seconds, the yield 2.95 percent, and the yield on the two-year 3.27 percent. And we have our top stories straight ahead as Bloomberg Daybreak continues, and this is Bloomberg. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.